Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board certified life coach Samantha Shatek teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Hey there, how are you? Welcome to today. This episode is going to be a little bit different than some of my episodes in that I did a little bit more research for this episode. And today I am compelled to talk to you about hair, identity, connection, and power in relation to our hair. I am talking about hair because I'm going to tell you about how recently I have gone through some frequent hair changes and even some hair stress and a little bit of drama. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of background and then I'm going to go into the rest of the episode, but I just want to give you some context as to why hair is on my mind. So one of the changes that I wanted to recently do was to get a perm. Now, I don't know if some of you know that you can get a perm and it's different than the perms of the 80s. I usually have relatively straight hair, but I just have always loved the look of thicker textured and wavy hair. And I realized four years ago that perms were different now and they use different rods and some different solution. And so I had this stylist do a perm and my hair was long and dark brown And it was so great. It was so cool. It was this wavy kind of beach curl. And it really turned out amazing. And so it just felt so good. And it lasted six months to a year. And I absolutely loved it. And lately, though, I have gone through a phase of cutting my hair uh, recently, maybe six months ago or so to just above shoulder length. And decided to do a balayage and dye it blonde. So it was sort of blonde at the ends and still dark brown at the top. And that felt good for what I was going through. But here's the thing. Because my hair is relatively straight, it looked better to me if I did that beach wave iron thing. So I would do that almost every morning. And it it made my hair look so cute. It's that three-pronged beach waver. It made my hair look how I want it, but it was super time consuming. And I'm not a big fan of spending a lot of time on my hair. And also it was, you know, it can be damaging to hair over time with regular use. So fast forward to now, I have a newer stylist who said that she also does perms. So this is a different person than I used four years ago who did such an amazing job And I inquired with her about the possibility of getting a perm on top of the fact that I already had blonde dye on my hair at this point. And at first she said, yeah, it probably isn't a good idea because it would damage my hair or would has the potential to damage my hair. But then she remembered that she had a special solution that made it possible and she assured me would prevent damage for people who want perms who have blonde hair. And so I double checked with her like three times and she assured me it would be fine. And I quote, just so I watch your hair and we don't overprocess it, it will be good. So, you know, I was a little hesitant, 
but I also am not a hair person. And so I really trusted her. Okay, I'm just gonna say what a lie. And what a nightmare that was. Uh, I was pissed. So the curl was not loose and wavy. It was awkwardly tight in some places and then almost straight in some parts. The curl was uneven. And then after the fact, and even after I would shampoo and condition my hair, even after that, my hair would feel sticky and it looked damaged. And it almost had the feel when my hair was dry after that, like almost like a plastic Barbie doll hair. And it honestly kind of looked like I was going to a metal hairband show or maybe auditioning for a role in a movie to play like a disheveled person. I mean, I made jokes about it and I can have humor about it. And listen, I am pretty flexible. Like I usually don't get too worked up about hair not looking just right, but this was pretty drastic. And I kept thinking, the thing that I kept saying is it feels like when I look at my hair, it looks like I stuck my finger in a light socket and then was maybe going to a Def Leppard show. And even though I'm laughing now, I'm still kind of dealing with the remnants of that. And I was really upset because the thing is, is I trusted her, but now my hair was ruined in a big way, not just like a little bit of like, oh, I cut it a little bit like this or that it felt like it was really damaged and it kind of felt invasive. And I just kind of felt a little bit sad, like a little bit lied to. And so I contacted the same stylist and told her what was going on. And she was hopeful that even though there may be damage, that a lot of times the damage is repairable. So she seemed like it wasn't a big deal. So I kind of felt hopeful And so I came in and we did a deep conditioning treatment. She said that should help. Well, it did not. It like did not help at all. And then I was going on a trip for two weeks to Ireland and I literally could not wear my hair down at all. It was super hideous. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was a little traumatized by it. Like it, I felt like my self-esteem took a hit. It was weird. It's like, I know that we're all more than our hair. Like I know that I'm more than my hair and that we're this amazing, you know, we're these amazing souls in these earth suits. Yet when I looked in the mirror, it was just so bad. It just didn't feel like me. It felt damaged and ugly. And I just didn't know who that person in the mirror was. It was really weird. And so I tried to work with it when I was in Ireland and put it up. But even when it was up in small little buns or ponytails on this, you know, I I have the hair is pretty short. um, So I'd wear like little buns on the side. But even wearing it up, the damage showed it was just ratty and frizzy. And I just felt so awful about it. It just kind of put me in a bad place. And, and after I had cut it initially, I already decided that I wanted to grow it back out. So I really, really, really did not want to cut my hair at this moment in time. And so the circumstances, though, left me little choice. And so I ended up reluctantly choosing to cut my hair fairly short in the back. And I left it a slight bit longer in the front. But I really wanted to get a lot of the damaged hair cut off. And so part of me felt better that I cut the damage off. But now I have this like weird short haircut that I don't really love and that doesn't really look good on me in this moment. Like I just don't really resonate with it. 
And then one other thing that I did is my hair still looked slightly damaged, especially in the front, but I didn't want to cut it any shorter. So I ended up dyeing my hair back to close to its original color. And so currently I'm working with this. It looks less damaged, but it's definitely still this thing. Like I just didn't want this style at this time. And you know, it's been like really hard and I didn't feel like it was really a choice though, considering my state of hair, this felt like the better choice, but it just brought up all this questioning. Like, why is this so hard? And what is this about? And, you know, yes, I know I'm more than my hair, but why am I so devastated right now? And so I just started doing internal exploration, but also just doing some research And so, you know, going through all these different hair phases that I went through recently in this short period of time really got me thinking about hair and about our identity that we associate with hair and also transitions and transformations we go through in life as well as grief and trauma and how is health maybe related to our our hair and maybe the spiritual significance with some cultures, some religions, and some individuals. And so I had remembered hearing about the power of hair in different uh, native cultures, indigenous cultures, and also, of course, the famous story of Samson and Delilah from the Bible. And so I just got curious and I wanted to do a little bit of research, mainly for myself, just to understand more about our hair from a biological perspective, but also from like a spiritual and cultural perspective. And so many Native and Indigenous people believed that our hair is a part of our psychic antenna. And they believe that it really is the cosmic receiver to and from the divine. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later as to why that's true. But also the Natives believe that through their hair, they could connect to nature and the electric magnetic life force field around them. And it was also proven during the Vietnam War that Native Americans that had longer hair were actually able to scout out the land using their intuition far better than those in similar tribes who had their hair cut. Isn't that fascinating? I just find that really interesting. And if you think about our intuition, that is largely an extension of our pineal glands and our brains up through our crown chakra into the cosmos. And so I think that's really, really interesting concept. And also in native cultures, often men and women are traditionally recognized by the length and the quality and the glory of their hair. And so the cutting of hair by native oppressors has long represented the submission and defeat of a people through humiliation. And also natives felt that the way that the people comb the hair, which represented the alignment of our thoughts and the way that they braid their hair, which represents the oneness of thought and the way that they tie or secure their hair is the securing of thought and the color of their hair is the conviction in their thought. So that hair is definitely of great significance, specifically in Native culture, and that each hairstyle would represent a different frame of mind. And I think you can see that that's probably true still today in our culture. Hair is largely believed by Natives to be an extension of your thoughts. And so 
Hairstyles are especially important because in this framework, they would portray and announce participation in various events. So your hairstyle would indicate your state of merriment or mourning at any given time. And whether you're married or single, your age, your tribal status, all of that, it's a general representation of your feelings and your life situations. And different styles signify the tribe that one belongs to. And they were definitely worn to indicate times of peace or war. And it's not just a fashion accessory for aesthetic advancement. It was literally considered the pinnacle of their spiritual expression and is a definite source of strength, intuition, and power. So I think that we right now usually think of hair as just being a matter of personal preference. But in reality, it is so much more than that. And in doing this research, I'm kind of appalled at all of the information and history and mythology around hair. And so if you think about it, nature or God or however you want to think about it, put every hair on your body for a reason. So the hair of our legs, for example, regulates our glandular system and it stabilizes our electromagnetic field. I literally didn't know this until doing the research. How cool is that? So a lot of times, pelvic and hip issues can stem from not growing our hair out on our legs. And if you know anything about women in your life, probably I would say a majority of women, including myself, have bought into the need or the pressure to shave legs. And so this has really gotten me thinking about the hair on our legs and why that's there. And if it stabilizes our electromagnetic field, my God. And so the also in the same vein, the hair under the armpits protects the sensitive area where our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems come together. And this affects our brain and in our energy level. And so again, I know a lot of women will grow out their leg hair and armpit hair, but I think that it's really difficult in this society who still endorses shaving and being hairless. And so I'm really thinking about those things. Also, if you think about our eyebrows, that protects us uh, from the sun and sweat getting into our eyes. And, you know, we typically don't shave our eyebrows because we just understand that there's a protection there. And then the facial hair on men covers the moon center on the chin and protects them from excessive moon energy, which is so interesting. Also, if you think about it, if we don't cut our hair, the hair on our head will be very long and different people, their hair will grow to different lengths, but the hair on the body is very short. So if the hair on the head were only for warmth, the hair on the body would be long also. So just think about that. We only have long hair right over our brain. And we are practically the only creatures designed this way. And so a lot of cultures and a lot of people say that our hair is our antenna to receive a picture and transmission and transduction of the subtle world around us. It's sort of connected to our intuition. It tells us when people are lying or telling the truth. And it in part helps us to pick up on feeling things before they happen. 
because it's that connection to the electromagnetic field, just like our heart. If you've listened to any of my podcasts, specifically the episode around uh, heart math and uh, brain heart coherence, we know that the magnetic field of the heart is the largest magnetic field of any organ in the body and that our heart has its own nervous system and neurons in the heart called sensory neurites. And they can pick up on things in the electromagnetic field before our brain has a chance to process them. And that's where we get sometimes those gut feelings, those intuitions before things happen. And I think that now I'm thinking about how our hair is maybe a part of that field and of that sensory information that happens much quicker than it takes for the brain to process something. And so the natural intelligence of our body is to maintain hair. If you allow the hair on the head to grow undisturbed, it'll grow to a certain length required by your body and then it will stop. Maybe you've heard about some people, or maybe this has happened to you where you're trying to grow your hair out and it just seems to not want to grow any longer. That might just be because for whatever reason, your body requires only a certain length. Also, maybe you've noticed uh, there's some people called Sikhs, and I know a lot of them live in Española, New Mexico, where there is a center and a Mecca, and they do not cut their hair. It's that each person has its own requirement, And the hair is such a reflection of the health of each individual and what the individual needs. And it also has been proven scientifically, and I find this fascinating, that people who have longer hair tend to be less tired, more energetic, and less likely to become depressed. People who have long hair also tend to conserve more energy and don't feel the cold of the winter as same as people with short hair. Apparently, a person who has short hair wastes more body energy, as we can understand about how heat might leave through the head. And a person who cuts their hair over the lifetime consistently forces the body to grow up to 22 meters of replacement hair. But if a person keeps the hair and never cuts it much, only produces one and a half meters of hair over the lifetime. So you can see there that there's a little bit of energy conservation with the person who isn't constantly cutting their hair. And then also, as I mentioned earlier, think of the story of Samson and Delilah in the Bible. He lost his strength when she cut his hair. And another example of the power of hair is in order to humiliate the conquered people of China, Genghis Khan would make them cut their hair and wear bangs over the forehead. And apparently, because bangs cover the third eye, this inhibits intuition and knowledge. And since, as we mentioned, hair is a conductor of the body's electromagnetic energy, it makes sense that because of something called induction, induction causes a conductor of electromagnetic energy to induce a certain current in adjacent conductors. So this means, for example, if you coil a conductor, the signal becomes much stronger and hairs on the top of the head act as an antenna and they conduct this energy into the body. So our hair is a conductor and it's similar to the antenna wire in an AM radio, how it's coiled in a circle. And so besides absorbing information, hair 
also has this really cool ability to emit energy patterns and frequencies back into the environment. And this has been seen visually in hair experiments that involve Kirlian photography. And you can look that more up on your own, but Kirlian photography is really fascinating and it takes pictures of our energetic field. Also, wearing the hair on the top of the head is seen as a way to protect the top of the head from sun and exposure, as well as channeling solar energy and improving vitamin D absorption. And then the body grows more hair. And the hair in your head, a lot of people believe actually has healing powers. If you think about it, there's a sensation you might get when your hair stand on end. And this usually only happens when you intuitively or instinctively know that something either is really right or really not right at all and super wrong. So this question is like, okay, well, what are our hair or hairs trying to tell us? So I'm going to go through a lot of different beliefs. Some of them will be a little bit of a repeat, but I want to just go through some beliefs about what our hair is doing and telling us. It's believed that the tips of our hair are like antenna that I've mentioned that gather energy from the universe in order to stimulate higher levels of consciousness and creativity. And hair is a natural extension of our nervous systems, and it's said to transmit important information to the brain. It's also believed to balance the entire electromagnetic field of your body, which in turn can help you to increase your life force, vitality, and intuition. And so many years ago, cutting hair was unheard of because it was believed to be such an important extension of identity and heritage. And in fact, only slaves would have their hair cut because it was believed that it would punish them into submission and take away their energy and power. And think about how this might relate to military. And think about what I said about how when Genghis Khan captured people and conquered China, he ordered the people to cut their hair and have bangs because they thought that this would inhibit the development of their third eye, their intuition, and their knowledge. And to this day, there are still many cultures that don't believe in cutting hair in order to conserve their energy and their spiritual ability. So in addition to Native Americans, the Sikh culture, as I mentioned, they believe that cutting hair can really inhibit their spiritual development and lead to poor health. Instead, what they do, both the men and women, they tie their hair up in what is known as a rishi knot on the top of their heads. This is basically similar to a bun with a slightly different shape. And this is believed to help control and regulate the flow of energy through the crown chakra and through the body and can assist, they think, with attaining higher levels of consciousness. Also, another belief is that it takes hair that's cut about three years to regain its ability to send out and receive vital energy from the universe. It seems like cutting your hair makes your intuitive senses numb to the world around you. And studies have also found that keratin, the protein in your hair, contains a crystalline structure that is similar to those of sacred crystals and gemstones. Wow. Think about all the possibilities of that protein and crystalline structure. So the question then might be that you might have is how can we protect the receptiveness of your hair? 
So we can try to use natural hair products, of course, and I totally use dye and and I try to use natural hair products, but when we place chemicals on the hair and scalp, it's bad for you, but also it dulls your receptive abilities. So we can try to choose natural or organic shampoos, conditioners, and other treatments if possible. And also we can avoid trims. It's been drilled into us that trimming hair is healthy, but why not work from the inside instead? We can keep the hair healthy by eating a diet rich in fruits, vegetables, and healthy fats. In order to best nourish your hair and protect it from split or dry ends, just applying a natural treatment of coconut or almond oil overnight can be a good solution. Also, I'm guilty of this, but avoiding blow drying. Trying to let your hair dry naturally in the sun, this is said to increase vitamin D absorption and raise the vitality of your life force. Hair dryers also emit electricity, which can tamper with the sensitivity of your hair in your third eye chakras. Also, not over shampooing. You might have heard this from your stylist, but allowing your natural oils on your scalp to clean and protect your hair is the best thing to do, and only shampooing when you absolutely have to. And washing after stress. So, It is believed that if we have an emotional, stressful time, an argument or some other stress, that that can actually build up negative energy in the hair. So washing your scalp after a stressful day can really help release and cleanse this energy. And also brushing with a wooden comb. So ditching the plastic and metal brush and going for one made of wood can be really amazing. This is said to maintain the energy surrounding your crown chakra and to keep the electromagnetic field intact. It's because wood is the preferred medium because it prevents static electricity and it can help stimulate the scalp energy instead because wood is not a good conductor and it's neutral. And then the other thing is hairstyling. Many yogis believe that you should wear your hair up during the day to help absorb life force energy and to stimulate the pineal gland and then to keep it down at night to help absorb lunar energy and enhance spiritual perception. Regardless, the hair on our head and body is really powerful and it gives us clues, not just about our physical body, but also about our emotional and spiritual body as well. And it'd be good if we could all try to adopt some of these practices into our routines to see if you notice a difference in your energy and your intuition. You may have heard of times where people were conquered and enslaved and had their hair cut. And as I've mentioned, this was a way to instill submission and to mark them as lower status. It was believed that submission was taught when you took someone's power and energy away from them and hair was the most visible source of power. And so think about that in terms of today of how we feel and how we think about our hair. According to the paranormal school, our hair can hold either positive or negative energy. And the theory is that your hair is a regular part of your nervous system, which means that it passes the outside messages you get to your brain directly. This system balances your body's field. And also it's said that the ends of your hair follicles work as receptors for energy, like certain insects' antenna which then stimulate your consciousness and subconscious. In our history, hair is believed to have power, including magical and spiritual aspects. Witches, for example, used to have their hair cut off to take away their powers. 
And as I mentioned, the famous story of Samson and Delilah, hair can be an external reflection of our soul and our personal virtues are said to be manifested throughout our hair. The idea that we all feel something about our hair when we look in the mirror is, I think, deeply ingrained in us, both from, say, a social and biological standpoint. But what's behind this connection we have with our hair, as it turns out, is inherited and far-reaching. Psychologist Vivian Diller says, We've associated it with status, wealth, and royalty since ancient times. Thick, rich hair has always meant health, sensuality, and youth, so it continues to mean that especially to women today. And Yogananda, who is the author of the autobiography of a yogi, wrote that some yogis keep their hair long to draw from the ether a greater quantity of cosmic rays. And hairstyles and rituals surrounding hair care and adornment can convey powerful messages about our beliefs, lifestyle, and commitments. Although we can't always judge a book by its cover, sometimes we often can know a lot or assume a lot about a person about their morality or sexual orientation or maybe political persuasion, religious ideas, and in some cultures, even socioeconomic status by seeing a particular hairstyle. And even though that is a little bit surface and a little bit outdated, I think some of that might still ring true today. And despite many people's beliefs in indigenous and native cultures and some of the health benefits of long hair, There are definitely times in our life where cutting our hair is and can be healing. In an article from Quartz Magazine, Dr. Catherine Ellen Foley writes that people recovering from any kind of trauma or challenge often cope by changing their appearance, and this in itself is a form of self-care. She provided the example of the classic Britney Spears meltdown in 2007, when the singer shaved her hair off because she wanted some control over her life and image after being managed and manipulated by music executives and her father since she was 16. So haircuts can have a much deeper meaning, obviously, than just a trip to the salon. For women especially, they can be a way of empowering oneself and regaining control over one's appearance, consciously changing the way one is perceived by the world. And also, it can be a way of grieving, or the ending of a relationship, or the loss of a loved one, or a way to hold on to the deceased as well. And then there is the subject of hair loss. So whether that is from chemotherapy, whether it's from hormones after giving birth, whether it's stress, whether it's balding, and or whether it's some sort of deficiency, hair loss for women, and I think for men too, is one of the most detrimental things she can deal with. I see women all the time who lose their hair from chemo, and I know it's kind of an identity shift and it's a really hard thing, but I imagine anyone who's experiencing hair loss or baldness has to go through an emotional grieving process around that. And so for all men and women, I think the hair is a thread of our souls, and it does represent our ideas, our thoughts, and sometimes even our personality. I want to go now into some more information, meanings, and symbolism, as well as connections about hair. So this is from several different sources. So women's hair often denotes their relationship with Mother Earth, according to some people, and men's hair represents the relationship with heaven or the cosmos. 
Short hair is considered to be more yang or more masculine and long hair is more yin or more feminine. For instance, men who shave their hair, like in Buddhism, they do it in order to be closer to the father of heaven. And men who wear long hair are said to have a good relationship with the inner mother, which is to say with their feminine side. And there is a link between men's hair and the way testosterone is used. In animals, hair is an attribute of strength, might, and of loyalty to the clan. For example, male lions have their manes so they can protect females, and females do not possess them. And warriors of ancient times had long hair in many cultures, and it represented having physical power on the earth plane. For women, hair often represents the rights they have conferred to themselves of being beautiful. I know that a lot of those beauty standards are being challenged and busted and broken through. And I know and I acknowledge that beauty exists in all hairstyles, but I think that for a lot of women, long hair still does represent beauty. And it is more natural for men to lose their hair, but also there are women who may lose their hair as a result, sometimes both in men and women, of losing their antenna, which is their intuitive capacity. And this means that they have challenges or can no longer contact the collective unconscious of the planet as easily when the antenna is missing. And in all cultures, women priests and priestesses have long hair. And now just a little bit of science and information. So the root of the hair lies at the dermis of the scalp. And dermis-related problems are typically linked to feelings of being attacked or of being invaded or feeling like one's territory is invaded. And sometimes often go along with feelings of disgust towards someone or something. And hair, just in general, depends a lot on the management of motions through communication. So if you think about the less able that you are to communicate and manage your emotions, the more that your hair might be affected. And so hair loss is often related to underneath at the core of it, it might be related to fears and the subsequent stimulation of the adrenal glands. And remember, the adrenal glands are our fight or flight organs that secrete chemicals of stress. And this provokes hair loss over time. So baldness or hair loss sometimes indicates the fear of losing something in our lives as well. And the adrenal glands of a bald person or someone who is losing hair Although it's very complex, this is likely to be the culprit or one of the core issues of someone who's losing hair, that the adrenals are probably active and overactive. And this person probably has a feeling of being constantly attacked and is probably very stressed out or maybe not able to communicate effectively in their life or manage emotions or process emotions. Hair loss or baldness also may indicate excessive male hormones and difficulty to communicate assertively. This shows mostly on men and it's no surprise, but also on women whose behavior tends to be more yang, assertive, aggressive, or male-like. And the proof of this is that women who have more professional activities plus 
who are in charge of the household and home and kids and everyone and everything and who have been forced through circumstances and through culture to become more yang or masculine. Also, we see an increase in suffering from hair loss or hair patch loss and some baldness. And in general, women are in some ways having to become more masculine. And one of the characteristics of masculinity is try to control and assert yourself into everything versus trusting the flow of life, which is very feminine to allow and surrender. And because women are so busy, that way of life of allowing isn't really as honored in this culture and the circumstances of our lives make it so that as a woman, it may be harder for us, for you and your circumstances to really like feel into that femininity. Dandruff can indicate that the individual is experiencing a feeling of separation or communication difficulties and that the ideas are not compatible with those of the intimate partner or someone close to you. So maybe just feeling not understood. Dandruff could indicate that as well as patchy baldness of that you're not communicating, that you're not understood. And so also there's a metaphor and a representation and a symbolism that dry hair is a synonym for a potentially dry person and oily hair may denote a slippery person who does not want to be caught and is maybe running away. And I don't know how much I really believe all of that, but just food for thought. And this is some of the beliefs according to Sikh tradition. And some of this is going to be repeat, but I think it's worth mentioning. So The Sikhs believe, and this is all Sikh tradition now that I'm referencing, they believe, like I've said, so many cultures believe that the hair is the antenna of your body and they feel it's the most potent, purest form of protein in the world. The very root of the hair has the oil of the protein and the oil is enough to support your brain through any activity. And one thing nature knows is that in every part of your body, you have to have hair because it's the antenna for that area of the body. And so each cell in the body goes through certain changes and the change is through the antennas. So with the exception of hair loss, our hair is something that we have total power over. We can cut color and style it however we choose and we can use to manipulate our identities on any given day. But despite being under our control, our hair also seems to have total power over us And the resulting relationship can be nothing short of transformative because hair is the pranic or psychic antenna. It's energy and pure protein. If you were to take a bunch of your hair and cut it and put it around a tree, the tree would shoot up. Isn't that interesting? I want to try that now. Also, our hair is the vitamin provider. The longest hair on the scalp has the purpose and it's to work on the brain Our brain needs vitamin D, energy, phosphorus, and metals, and the number of units of vitamin D that these hairs provide immediately to the brain is super important and actually really unbelievable. That's so cool. I also talked a little bit about reishi knots and wooden combs, but it's really important for the Sikhs in particular for women to have their hair tied on their head on top of their solar center in that reishi knot. And at night in that culture, it's obligatory for the woman to wear her hair down at night, loose or in a braid. Braiding the hair at night is one of the most wonderful ways to take care of your most powerful energy antennas, according to Sikh tradition. And for normal health of the eyes, menstruation cycle and long maintenance of youth, 
it's preferred and obligatory even that women and men use a wooden comb and that is for circulation of the scalp. Men also will tie a reishi knot where that soft point is where your fontanelles on the top of your head meet when you're a child. A woman's hair is supposed to be tied exactly at the solar centers. And the reason for this is that she doesn't have a beard (laughs) and we never asked why, but because of the waning and waxing of the moon, she has to protect her solar centers more powerfully than the male. And apparently when a woman's hair is loose, her identity to submit becomes a hundred times greater in old times, it was a custom that a woman, when a woman went to her husband in intimacy, she let her hair down. And I guess now during the day, of course, we know everyone has their hair loose, but the Sikhs understood this action in the light of what they think is the downfall of sexual values. And the old Judaic and Islamic scriptures say that a woman with loose hair and a mad dog have no difference whatsoever as far as integrity is concerned. That might be a little outdated, but it's interesting just to consider the roots of that practice and the reasons that that might be true. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think it's interesting to consider. I know I've talked about wooden combs already, but the Sikhs really think that a wooden comb is something simple we can do that does not create any energy or discharge any energy because wood is a bad conductor of heat and electricity. It's the very healthy thing for combing your hair. And it's a good thing whenever you feel low in energy to comb your hair back and forth with a wooden comb. It's a quick burst of energy and it's supposed to be really healthy for the scalp and the hair. And head coverings are interesting. It's written that it's non-righteous, according to the Sikhs, to expose your hair to the cruelty of the changes of weather. The Eskimos, for example, keep their heads covered all the time. And in the tropics, even in the basic tribes, they have their heads covered often, just like the Sikhs wear a white turban much of the time. As far as shaving the head, in ancient times, shaving the head was the sign of a slave. So all monks were to be shaven. And they were just spiritual destitutes, according to Sikh philosophy. Sikhs feel like the uh, monks depended on the message and that it was made possible to dishonor them by cutting off their hair. Cutting the hair on your head on the crown does nothing but dishonor yourself. Ancient man, through all his knowledge, knew it. But there were so many monks that then shaving your head became a hip fashion. And then the barbers took over. A monk, they feel, is a person who carries a message but is dead in personality. That person has the right to shave his head. Shaving your head, according to them, means you have lost your total existence, energy, and your contact with God. And you're only carrying the master's word and have nothing of your own. This is according to the Sikhs. For many centuries, even in the West, knights and barons And all those other people, when they lost a war, they weren't killed necessarily, but they used to ask for death, but the winning knight would just cut off the locks of the hair of the loser. And we already talked about bangs and how the Sikhs feel like women should not wear the hair over the forehead. Also, Genghis Khan from China felt that way. 
And their philosophy is that hair does not naturally grow on the forehead. And because the forehead bone contains the sinuses and it's porous, its function is to transmit light to the pineal gland in the brain and covering this up for them is detrimental to intuition and connection. And legs and armpits, we've already addressed, but it's true. Most women in America shave their legs and armpits. But if we can remember and realize that by cutting the hair under the arms, we are affecting our magnetic field and the sympathetic nervous system. And that by shaving our leg hairs, we are altering the electromagnetic field of the lower spine. So I hope that we all think twice about shaving. I know I'm going to. And I think that according to the Sikhs, they're saying, and I think they're right, that we do not understand what those tiny hairs on the legs do for us. We just think that they're a bad things. But, you know, our legs move and that's what creates balance, the electromagnetic field and the hairs that creates balance in the movement in the pituitary. So when we shave our legs, we have more problems. I think that's interesting. And, you know, we've all experienced bad hair days and studies at Yale University have shown that bad hair days diminish self-confidence and can increase feelings of shame, self-doubt, social insecurity, and self-criticism. Here's the thing. There is a holistic healing art, and I'm so fascinated by this, where you can cut hair with a precise pattern of sacred geometry, and it's based on the principles and points in acupuncture and craniosacral therapy. And it's most noted for being able to release hair trauma reducing hair loss, enhancing hair growth, and making hair happy. I'd be really fascinated to hear about how we can have more mindful haircuts. I think that sounds really cool. So what I've gained from all of this research and reflection about my own hair situation is that caring for your cosmic antenna is kind of a big deal. Hopefully, you're more aware of the purpose of your hair now, how it affects your holistic health, and maybe you'll take time to consider how you communicate and how you feel and what's really important to you. And you know, I know some people think of hair simply as just dead cells hanging off their head or as a superficial identity thing, but it's just so fascinating that hair is a protein-packed cosmic antenna that is really just an extension of your nervous system. And I know that it does help form our identities, but it's really, hair is so much more. And whether you're bald or balding, consider maybe managing your stress either more effectively or reducing stressors in your life to give your adrenal glands a break they probably need. And that probably goes for most of us, not just those of us that are balding as far as stress management. I really want to encourage you to consider viewing your hair as maybe an extension of your living self and how that your hair reaches into electromagnetic field and informs our cells and our body and our brains and it profoundly affects our biological function. And also think about your hair care practices, environmental impacts, and even how your thoughts and emotions are affecting you and how your hair is picking up thoughts and emotions from the environment. Our hair can be experienced, I think, as a cosmic antenna able to receive and transmit information and energy. And it seems like it can function as a sixth sense. 
So understanding what kind of hair you have, maybe the benefits of some of nature's elements that you get from your hair and paying attention to the cycles of the seasons, maybe as well as the sun and moon energies will hopefully create a new improved relationship with your hair and your overall health. It's my hope that you might have a deeper understanding and perhaps appreciation for your hair and all your many hair evolutions that you've experienced as a reflection of your dynamic life. I'm still in the middle of, I would say, grieving and dealing with hair that I'm not really excited about right now. But the main thing is that I'm remembering that I'm more than my hair and that my hair will grow and that it's not permanent. And so thank you for being with me today. I really appreciate you hanging in there for this hair talk and I'll be with you again next week. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six month coaching program. I'll work with just you one-on-one and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside.